Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. I'm excited to be sharing with you the last sermon of our 2022 vision series, One Small Thing. Uh, this is a series, the theme that will carry us through uh, all of 2022, and we wanted to spend some time uh, talking about it. Uh, this week, we focus on uh, the prophet Anna and Simeon, uh, found in Luke 2, um, and we want to focus on what it means to uh, be intentional in the ways that we praise and the ways that we pray. Uh, check it out. I don't know about you, but I've really been enjoying this uh, series, and I've been really encouraged these past few weeks that we've been navigating this 2022 vision of one small thing. Uh, we started by identifying and naming the brokenness and hurt in our world, uh, in our communities around us. We started wondering how we might make a difference in the midst of all of that. We've talked about systemic and institutional racism, the, the need for affordable housing, mass shootings and incarcerate, uh, increased gun violence, the uncertainty around COVID and the po uh, politicization of masks and vaccines, the looming impact of climate change. But we've also took time to name and remember that God does not expect us to tackle all of these issues on our own. We're, we're called to lean into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community, to develop small habits that work together to create major change, to keep on keeping on step by step, doing our part, actively engaging in one small thing, and then to see and to witness transformation as we continue on our journey. And so we've been looking at the ways we can address some of these issues. The first week, we turned to these two Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua, who had the audacity to disobey Pharaoh's orders in Exodus 1, and we challenged ourselves to think about how we might speak into those halls of power, and we encouraged and invited folks to write to your local legislators. We then saw how a community surrounded a widow and her son in Second Kings by giving them all their jars and watching as God filled these jars with oil to the brim, so much so that she was able to sell them and provide for her and her family. And we challenged all of us to, to bring jars of non-perishables and other food items to local food collection sites, including here at our building as well. Uh, last week, our, our governing board chair, Eric Trott, looked to the miracles of Tabitha in Acts 9, uh, the first miracle being that she was raised from the dead. The second, though, was the impact that she had uh, on, uh, in her care for the widows of her community. And we challenged ourselves to reach out to those that we know in our communities who might be alone or lonely this season. Today, we're just going to spend a little bit of time to look at one more aspect of this one small thing idea. And we're going to think about how we might continue to do one small thing throughout the rest of the year, that it doesn't stop after this Sunday. Now, I remember I was uh, entering into my final year of college at the University of Michigan. I was uh, sitting with my academic advisor. We're trying to map out a way for me to graduate on time. 
See, I, I had declared earlier in uh, my time there English and political science as my majors, but I was so focused on fulfilling those requirements that I missed the general requirements that I would need to graduate with my degree. And so there we were. We were looking through the course catalog for natural science courses. Biology? Nope. Chemistry? No way. Physics? Nope. Earthquakes and volcanoes? Ah, oh, I already took that one. And my options were so limited that I enrolled in a course called Extreme Weather. I chose this not because of any desire to increase my knowledge in these natural phenomena, but, 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 but rather it was the course that all the athletes took. <laughs> in other words, it had a reputation of being an easy course. But little did I know that uh, the professor had changed half, uh, between semesters. And so, so when I walked into the class the first day, I was there with a hundred other people in the large lecture hall. The problem was none of us were athletes. And almost immediately, my expectations for the course had changed. Now fast forward to midterm time. It's the day of the exam. I was already struggling in the class, not only because the content was difficult, but I also had a difficult time showing up for lectures at 8 a.m. And so I, I knew that I needed to do well on this midterm exam. The problem was that the exam was two hours ago and I was just waking up. And so I called my pastor, babbling to him, and, and he finally, he said, hey, I'm gonna come meet you in the quad, and we get there, we're sitting across from each other, and he asked me what went wrong. I remember I was cursing and I was stomping around. I was mad at myself. I was mad at the weather. I was mad at God who created weather. <laughs> the semester ends and he and I are meeting again. And just to check in, we would meet regularly and it was end of the semester. So before I went home for a couple weeks, we found some time to get a meal. And, and he asked me about this course, Extreme Weather. I said, oh, uh, thanks for asking, Pastor Steve. I ended up getting a, a solid C, I, despite the mis missing the midterm, and so it looks like I'm on track to graduate. And I said it just like that, like not too matter-of-factly. I was just kind of like, eh, it happened. And he looked at me, and he goes, you didn't want to lead with that? <laughs> this is exciting. This is awesome. You almost failed out of this class, and you're going to graduate now. You just want to kind of move on with the story? <laughs> You know, there's a sociologist and researcher, Dr. Brene Brown. She, she studies uh, uh, relationships and culture, and she said this. She said, when you ask people about love, they tell you about heartbreak. When you ask people about belonging, they'll tell you their most excruciating experiences of being excluded. When you ask about connection, their stories are about disconnection. And I wonder this morning, what is it about us that makes us this way? I have so many negative stories to tell. So many times when I have been hurt, so many times when I have hurt someone else, when life has seemed unfair, when I have wanted to curse God, to give up on God, to crumble under the weight of the world, but where are our stories of praise? When can we be excited about how God does show up? When can we share with one another with that same energy and excitement how God has always shown up? 
I think that's what I love about our text so much this morning. It's this reminder that praise exists to proclaim God at work in the world. We get to our text, we get this very brief explanation, a background of early infant Jesus, and it identifies him and his family as being Jewish. Being the faithful and devout Jews that they were, Mary and Joseph, they, they follow the rites and the rituals of birth according to the law of Moses. So Jesus is circumcised, and then he's formally named, and then they go as a family to Jerusalem, to the temple, so that Jesus and Mary can be formally purified. And so here is where we are in the text. And a guy named Simeon shows up. And Simeon, we're told, is righteous and devout, and he spent his whole life in prayer. He has been waiting for, with expectancy, for help for Israel. He's been waiting and praying for this his whole life. And so three times we're told of this relationship with the Holy Spirit in our text. Right? In verse 25, the Holy Spirit rested on him. Verse 26, it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And then verse 27, he's guided by the Holy Spirit. He's in this moment of experiencing the fulfillment of his prayers. All that he had put his life towards culminates in this moment, guided by the Holy Spirit. And the text says that he took infant Jesus in his arms and he prayed. If you have ever held an infant child in your arms, it prays. And then Anna shows up. And Anna's this prophet. She, she is the one who's the prophet. Note that. It, it, in the story, in the text, it's Anna, not Simeon, who's the prophet. And Anna, she follows this legacy of prophets before her, of, of Miriam and Deborah and Huldah, and, and she comes to praise God too. And she does what prophets do in, in, in the time. See, these, these prophets, they're tasked to see the world around them, to declare the things that they see, both good and bad, and then they share that out into the world. She does that. We don't know what she says. The scripture doesn't tell us what she says, but she shows up in her 80s, <laughs> waiting upon the gift of from God, hope for the world, she sees the child, declares that this child is to bring hope, and speaks it to the world. Anna praises. Anna speaks. I remember a uh, conversation I was having with a mentor of mine uh, about ministry here in the Pacific Northwest. This was years ago. And we were meeting for coffee. He and I, we, uh, we were sitting um, and having coffee, and I started complaining to him. I said, Pastor, I, I can't get my people to do anything. And again, this was five or six years ago, and, and, and as a church, we had just put out these surveys um, in, in the bulletins, we were asking people uh, two questions. One, how have you lived out the, our purpose of becoming Christ in the community? Right? So first one was, how have you lived out our purpose of becoming Christ in the community over this past year? 
And the second part of the survey was the second question. It just simply said, how can you uh, engage in the different ministries and programs? If you want more information, let us know. It's a very simple survey. Two parts. The first part, how have you lived? Second part, how do you want to join in? I gotta say, very, 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 very few surveys came in. But more than that, of the surveys that came in, almost all of them left the top part blank. How have you lived into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community blank? The second part had some good answers, right? People were like, oh yeah, I want to be part of music, or I want to be part of youth, or children's, or, or all of these things, and people asked for information. The top part was blank, and I, I remember him looking at me and saying, Joe, you're asking all the wrong questions. Don't ask how they have lived into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community. Don't ask what they have done. Ask how they saw someone else living into the purpose of becoming Christ in the community. Ask how they saw someone else. What did they do as we live into our purpose? And he was right. Like, surely people are doing things, right? And so I tried it. I, I asked folks, I would meet with them for calls or we would have, you know, uh, administrative meetings and I would say, hey, where have you seen this happening? We would go to small groups and I would, I would ask small group leaders, hey, can you tell me, like, can you find a time when somebody in your small group or, or your friend or a core group or, or different administrative meetings and different times, we would talk and I got to tell you, these stories poured in. People were sharing stories about how a friend would give up a Wednesday morning to go to the local school and sort clothing. Or how another friend uh, picked up groceries for an elderly neighbor. Or how another friend gave up Sunday nights to uh, cook and be part of our Bothell Community Kitchen. How, how somebody uh, uh, drove all the way to Clay Elm and back uh, 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 driving youth to and from a retreat. Right? They, we had all these stories pour out. And I got to say, while I love our posture of humility and our posture and desire to lift up our friends and our neighbors, I got to wonder if in our holding back from telling our own stories, are we stifling opportunities to praise and to testify God at work in and through us? By not sharing our own stories, are we doing God and ourselves and even the world a disservice by limiting our declarations of praise? I'm not asking you to be arrogant. I'm not asking you to boast. But I wonder if we forget to tell our stories. I wonder if we forget that the good that we do, the one small things that we all do, we do them because they're rooted in the hope of God's preferred future and in God's invitation for us to be part of that holy, life-transforming future. Because if that's the case, if it is true that we are working towards God's preferred future, then let's sing from the mountaintops what God is doing in us and through us. If it is true that we are journeying towards God's preferred future, let's sing from the mountaintops how God is at work in the world. If it is true that we are journeying towards God's preferred future, let's sing from the mountaintops how God is not done with us yet. Yeah, y'all, Mr. Amen cue, Becky Keene. <laughs> we'll work on that. 
There's an old Jewish legend. It goes like this. God created the world, and, and, and as God finished up, God asked the angels what they thought of it all. And the angels, they, they responded, hey, there's only one thing lacking. It's the sound of praise to the creator. And so the legend continues that God created music. And God then created the voice of birds, the whispering wind, the murmuring ocean. And God planted melody in the hearts of humans. Melody in the hearts of humans for us to sing and to declare and to make praise to our creator. You know, this week we're going to give you some opportunities, some ways uh, that you can do your one small thing. And we're going to emphasize prayer this week. We, we want to really make sure that we are grounded and rooted in our one small thing actions to be grounded and rooted in a sense of our faith and hope for what God is doing. But I want to remind you that not just as we pray for ourselves and for our community, we often focus only on lifting our concerns to God. Just as we do that, I want to invite you this week, as you pray, to remember how God is present and that the joys we experience when God is at work and God is around us, that is a prayer too. The way for us to be in relationship with God. And so this week, pray. And this week, praise. And may God continue to bless all of our one small thing so that all might come to know God's grace and God's love as we journey towards God's preferred future. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to be together, to be connected by your love, to be surrounded by your presence both online and in person. And God, we pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to see how you are at work and that you remind us of the ways in which we are to sing out, to declare out our praises to you. Move in us and inspire us that we would truly be your people as you call us to be. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our final sermon of this uh, 2022 vision series, One Small Thing. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed uh, following through uh, the ways we're inviting uh, all of our communities to really engage in one small thing uh, so that we can have large impact and transform uh, our communities uh, as we journey towards God's preferred future. Uh, this week, we invited the people uh, of both the United Methodist Church to be intentional in the ways they pray. Uh, we offered different ways of prayer, uh, maybe even just sitting and finding five minutes to yourself or lighting a candle, um, doing a breath prayer where you might uh, breathe in the word welcome and breathe out the word thank you. Uh, but whatever it is, we really wanted to uh, get at finding time to also incorporate praise as well as uh, naming our concerns as we go to prayer to God. Um, we hope that this is a theme that can uh, be carry us through 2022. Uh, throughout the year, we'll be uh, dropping um, some other opportunities uh, for people to really engage their faith by doing one small thing. Um, and I invite you to check out our social media and our Facebook, uh, our Instagram as we do that throughout the year. 
But I uh, hope you had a, uh, a great of a journey as we did on this series. Uh, the next series, we're going to be looking at uh, what it means to live lives of faith. And so I'm excited for that as well. So stay tuned for that next week. Until then, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.